If you haven't heard, guys, we are now covering the Colorado Raptors pro rugby team. We have Colton Strickler on the beat taking you behind the scenes with the DNVR Raptors podcast, as well as his written Raptors content on thednvr.com. He's building a really cool community on the DNVR Raptors Twitter account. And if you've ever wanted to get into rugby, <laughs> this would be a great start. For those that don't know, the Raptors play at Infinity Park in Glendale, just east of Cherry Creek. And this is an awesome venue to go to. Adults are getting in for 20 bucks right now when you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com. And it's only five bucks for kids. Search for the DNVR Raptors podcast after our show and become a fan of Colorado's pro rugby team. I want to go already. I know. I'm, I'm excited. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dump two hands. The goal of Jokic. going to talk about what's going on in the Denver sports world because there's a good amount with the Rockies and that's why <laughs> Drew wasn't going to be on the podcast today but with everything that happened yesterday we had to bring him on and then what we're happened, going to uh, ask what happened yesterday oh just wait I'm oh, teasing okay. oh, okay. that that's the whole thing okay, I see, I see. and then we're going to ask Colton all of our questions that we have about rugby and if you guys have any be sure to ask us on the periscope and we'll have Colton answer those um, but before that this is the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery our favorite Colorado beer and we will be having a uh, DNVR Breck Brew watch party for the Nuggets next Thursday, Let's go. the 30th. And it's it's a home game, so we'll be there early for people who want to kind of just pregame, going to the Pepsi Center, and then we'll be there after. It's at Stoney's, I believe. Before we get into the Nuggets, let's talk Rockies. Uh, we had good news at what? first. <laughs> Good news that the trade talks had officially been over with Nolan Arenado. Jeff Breidich let let the the world know, and everyone was like, "Drew was right. Drew was right." Hmm. So you oh. had a victory lap, and then Half more comments came out that Nolan Arenado felt disrespected, and he was very upset. And pretty much Rocky's Twitter caught on fire, and and they got loaded. more specific as the night went on. Yeah. It went from like. It went from like, oh, I feel disrespected by people over there. And it was kind of like, oh, these are generic. And then more reporters kept reaching out to him. Mm. And he kept being like, it's Jeff. Jeff. It's Jeff. No, it's Jeff. <laughs> He's super disrespectful. Jeff, Jeff is the one that is very disrespectful. And he clarified that it wasn't about, he's not upset about the trade rumors and all of that and the trade talks. It's something else. But he wouldn't specify what that something else was. But he would specify who. Yes. Yep. Right. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, that uh, that was one of the strangest hours uh, in the history of the Colorado Rockies. It, it, it really like they were an NBA team. Yeah, and and what's really bizarre is I don't know what prompted all of this to happen now because 
all the beat writers who cover the Colorado Rockies every single day have known there's been a rift here for a while. How big of one, how serious of one, what is the issue, can it be fixed? There's been a lot of debate and disagreement and, and varying perspectives and that it all blew up like this and, and in this way so huge and I think went from being a situation where the team could have showed up at spring training and if they could figure out a positive start to the season, even if he felt this way and never voiced it, they could have been fine. The moment the word disrespect became public. It's a problem. Though. It's oh, it, Yeah. There's no way to go back. The, and, and I am the eat your vegetables Rockies guy. And I am the, you know, don't jump to the most dramatic conclusion person. But this is incredibly bad for everyone involved. For Jeff Breidich. For Dick Monfort, for Nolan Arenado, this is bad. He's not going to get what he wants out of this. I'm not saying that there won't be changes in the front office. There I, have to be. I think, I think there probably have to be. Does it, not to cut you off here, I know you're on a roll, does it speak volumes that there haven't been already? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't we have woke up in a perfect world and Prydich is out already? And it's harder for you I mean, to say, I understand. Honestly, it, we should have gone to bed and he would have he would have been unemployed from a, from a layman Rockies fan perspective. Like that's just how I feel. But. Especially as soon as um, the word disrespect got brought up, <laughs> at least what from what we've seen that brought up the whole Tulo was trending on Twitter yesterday because it brought up the way Tulo left, and he yeah. also left felt feeling disrespected. It, Rough twenty four. Like Tulo was a tool, so I think people were okay with it at the time. A Tulo? They were they were like <laughs> it's gonna be it. Like like everybody was kind of like over Tulo and like he was kind of a he was kind of a dick. Yeah. And so everybody was just sort of like, eh, I don't really mind that he feels disrespected. But like Arenado is like the best dude on the planet. He's the easiest yeah. guy to root for and that you've disrespected him to the point where he he wants to tell reporters this multiple times. Yeah. Like, what have you done? And I mean, that's what he said, too, to one of the reporters. He said, I don't trash talk. I go to the ballpark. I do what I'm supposed to do, but I can only be disrespected so many times. That's paraphrasing, not exactly what he said that's word for word. But pretty darn close. Or... Yeah. I mean, and, and he's not wrong. He makes himself available to us every day. Uh, he, you know, I think finally started realizing he needed to be the spokesperson for the team this last year, but I, there is no impugning Nolan Arenado's character. There just isn't. I think he, <laughs> hi fans, uh, I do think he has a tendency to get a little over-emotional at times. I don't think he has the best concept of how to build a baseball team, and I think when he got a big contract, he started thinking, hey, I should have some say on how to build this baseball team, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think he's the best player in the history of the franchise quite easily, and that's a fair thing to want. But I also I don't think letting your star player run your front office is always a good idea either. Um, but at this point, it's such a like it's it's a thing to say to say let the record show. There's a, I'm making a one to five percent thing when ninety five percent of this is not about how Nolan has made one or two missteps and, and, and mishandles here. This ultimately isn't on him, though I do think 
it's very tough because if he had just not made this most recent comment, even if he felt this way, there could have been a peaceful way out of this where everyone came out looking good. And what we have instead is an intractable, untenable situation where everyone looks bad. Does, does anyone have a firm understanding of why he feels this way? Because didn't he say it wasn't necessarily that he was on the trade block? Yeah, and well, and I think there's been a little bit more hinting at that it has been about how the team hasn't been improved upon, how they haven't gone out and made big additions to the so roster. We're going to compete if you stay, and right. then that season happens. Right, and... which I think has long been speculated, and it, it also it's just mostly true based on things he said publicly and privately about wanting to compete. Uh, he, he has said some things, too, about I remember particularly when Troy Tulowitzki was traded, he was frustrated the team got a bunch of prospects instead of starting pitching to help them win right mm. then, which was not what they were in a position to do. That was actually, quite frankly, that was poor baseball analysis on his part. And so I'm not sure that Nolan Arenado has the best analysis of the Colorado Rockies' current roster. And I think he risks for a moment here sending the message to his teammates by saying, mm. I'm so disrespected by our GM not making moves to get better because that's how much I don't believe in you guys. But so do you does, it, does it come down to Breidich or Nolan? D does it have to be a decision between one of them, or is there a chance – that those two Tough can stay call. in the organization. I'll repeat uh, a sentence I said last night on, on the DMVR Rockies podcast. If there is not a picture in the next 24 to 48 hours of Jeff Breidich and Nolan Arenado hugging and crying tears of joy and releasing a joint statement that says we're past all this, we believe in the call, no negative, just the fluffiest statement you've ever heard in your life, even if no one believes it, anything short of that, it appears to be an Arenado or Breidich situation, and that is not a difficult question to answer. Yeah, I think you go with the potentially best third baseman of all time, right? I believe <gasps> it, it would be. You're the baseball guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that seems good. The best clutch hitter in the game, the best defender in the game. And I but mean, as, for, please. as the minutes go on and there still is no decision between those two, does it lean more toward Breidich or more toward Nolan staying? I mean, do any of us really believe that he's going to fire Breidich? That that I mean, do we even know? Is Dick Munford even aware that this is taking place? <laughs> well, there's in the Twitter world an email circulating. Oh, oh is there by now? Oh, great. But we don't. Super we have no idea yeah. if that email is actually true um, or real. Yeah, let's maybe not get into that specifically. Yeah. But on the Dick Munford question, he knows this is happening, and. 24 hours ago, I would have told you there is 1% chance Jeff Breidich is fired any time in the next uh, calendar year or, or two or three calendar years maybe even. Uh, after those statements from Nolan Arenado, that jumped to 70 80%. Oh, wow. Whoa. I mean, they're real buddy-buddy though, right? I mean, that's Monfort's guy. Like Monfort and Breidich, yeah. It would require something of this magnitude, right, right is your point. So again, to, to repeat a point from last night's Rockies pod, the two things are coming to a head. Dick Monfort has been extraordinarily, let's use the word loyal, let's be nice about it, uh, to individuals in his organization that he falls in love with as people. That actually included Troy Tulowitzki. He was really bummed out when that guy got traded. Um, and and some other people as well. But he's been notorious, and so for players and also for his GMs. Dan O'Dowd 
basically had to fire himself. And he did, which is maybe the more amazing thing. But <laughs> um, I mean, I, it seems like Breitich might have done the same thing. Well, here, but that's right? the thing is like Dan O'Dowd literally just said, I, I'm going to walk away now. I, I don't know if Jeff Breitich, I don't know Jeff Breitich well enough at this point. There's a part of me that could believe he would do that. I think Jeff knows he's stepped in it. I, I think he, he understands he, he's gone from a defensible position to an indefensible one. Because it does not matter the extent to which I can articulate how Nolan might not have this right and why Jeff Breidich still may have done the right thing in the offseason. It doesn't matter. Part of your job is human relations. You cannot do yeah. this to your most important employee right. ever. You cannot let this happen, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter now. Well, and the trickle-down effect was. of this is why would any any free agent ever sign in Colorado with Breitich there? Right. Knowing that he just alienated Arenado. That guy? A year after the guy committed to the franchise when he didn't have to. I love the story during the trade rumors that came out about how he was friends with Paul Goldschmidt. He's friends with everybody. He's one of the best players in baseball, and he's super easy to get along with. And he goes to the All-Star game every year. And you don't think guys want to come over and... Get their gloves signed by Plus, somebody like, who's never not won a gold glove. How exciting of a hang can Paul Goldschmidt be? That guy <laughs> might as well be your your tax accountant, right? right? I mean, yeah. Right. Mike Trout. Yo, Paul Goldschmidt throws yeah. down. Yeah. Does he? You don't even know. Is that right? I have no idea. I was going to say, is that real? He lives in St. Louis. He doesn't do anything. Like Buster Posey's always at the dubstep club. Wait, what are we? What's going on? But yeah, is, that man. What, is that what it's called, the dubstep club? I, yeah, that was a 10-year-old reference, if, <laughs> if anything. I don't think dubstep's still a thing. So, so let's, I mean, what are the chances, obviously, this is a non-verifiable, I'm just asking you, spitballing, what are the chances this is repairable post a Breitage firing? Oh, I think it would be very repairable. That's why I think, and I said this again, I don't, I never advocate for people to lose their jobs because I don't think I'm qualified. I just It's just a personal policy of mine. I'll, I'm never going to say on record, so-and-so should absolutely be fired. But I do think that the only way for this to be, to answer your question, for this to be a positive for the Rockies organization coming out the other end of it is for him to no longer be with the organization because I do think – Nolan Arenado loves his teammates. Mm -hmm. Nolan Arenado loves his fans. He loves playing in Colorado. He loves the idea of being the greatest Rocky who ever lived. And he does believe in some, if not all, of these guys. He believes they're a few players away from being able to compete for the World Series, and this guy won't go get them. Right, right. You remove that guy from the equation – with the promise that Arenado's not going to be traded, a new GM comes in, the sky's the limit for the best player in the history of your franchise. So it's not my decision to make, but I think it's an easy one. So how important is Jeff Breidich? Because it's not like we're talking about, you know, a backup outfielder compared to the best third baseman of all time. And and I understand that Nolan's more important, but we're talking about the general manager right now. Yeah, but we're talking about an incompetent general manager. <laughs> well, that's, that's the question. How, like, how? This is not. This is not like a, a John Elway, like complicated. Like he's won still, something for you. But we're still you, you talking know? about the well, general manager, and that's a very big position. There is a consideration here. 
And I could go through the, like, actually, if you look at Breidish's tenure compared to everything the Rockies have done before, he's been much better than anyone else has. But yeah, how much of that? Uh, I know. <laughs> Wait, again, we'll get <laughs> into the weeds. Finish, AJ, I, let him finish. We could get into the weeds on that. But I, I think less important than any of that, honestly, is I do think the Colorado Rockies play in the most unique environment in all of professional sports. And they need to play and build and think differently. And I think Jeff Breidich fundamentally understood that, whether or not or understands that. <laughs> Goodness. Um, I, and I think that's important. And they're going to, like, replacing him would not be easy. To, to, I think is the most important part of your question because if they go internally – He's the next Jeff Breidich. It's, just, it's the same thing they just did. Dan O'Dowd to Jeff Breidich. They go Jeff Breidich to Zach Wilson, the guy who holds uh, the job that Breidich did before, who I actually think would probably be really good in the job. Like, it doesn't matter. The outside world's not going to buy that. You, can't, you have to go from outside the organization. The problem is you go get a GM who hasn't spent the last 10, 15 years of his life trying to solve the Coors Field problem, has only spent maybe – a couple of days thinking, man, that's weird out there. And that's it. Like, you, you have to have someone who understands this problem. And so it's not just as easy as get rid of Jeff Breidich. Right. You have to know who you can turn to. And there's a limited number of options of people out there who have a deep enough understanding of the problem that is presented here. But there are less Nolan Arenados. That's just true. You know? That's just One the fact. If there is a lesser of two evils here. And I know it's, like, I can say it for you, and I, I agree with your philosophy on calling for jobs, by the way. Um, but I don't cover the Rockies. So to me, this is pretty simple, right? And I think everyone's on that same page, but... Um, it's rough for like the human element of sports is easy to forget. That's true even of general managers. This is probably yeah. a crap day for Jeff Breidich. Sure, right? Yeah, I don't know how many people feel bad for him. Right? Yeah, well, when you shoot yourself in the leg, it's yeah. probably gonna hurt. Right. Yeah, you're just, yeah. <laughs> you know, we need a soundboard for AJ Zings. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Drew, I, I got a question. So I follow baseball from afar. So, but I've seen the Rockies really have not done a whole lot this year. Is this the worst offseason in franchise history? Just well, based on it is now. Yeah. There was whatever, whatever argument I was making two days ago about, you know, there's actually – what's funny is there's a couple little things they've done that I really like and I think will pay off. And I also think that people are dramatically overlooking the, like, long list of 25-year-olds they have who have an opportunity to be really good next year. Uh, but now there's just <laughs> cold net. <laughs> there's, there's, it's just it's just done. Like now right, this yeah. is a part of the off season, and it and it, yeah, this is the worst off season in the history of the Colorado Rockies by a mile. So I feel like fans with Nolan Arenado are now torn because I've heard so many arguments of oh this is clearly a sign that Nolan wants to be traded. He doesn't want to be here. But then there's other fans like our very own Ryan Konigsberg who thinks this shows Nolan's love for Colorado even more that he wants to say because he wants changes to be made so that the team will get better. And he doesn't think Jeff Breidich is the guy to do that. But now with the comments Nolan made, I feel like the fan base is really torn on on Nolan wanting to be here or wanting to leave. Nolan appears to be in truth teller mode. Mm -hmm. And if his top priority was, I hate that I never get enough credit for playing in Colorado. I hate that the fans sometimes don't show up to games or do the wave at dumb times. And I know some of those things. Sometimes <laughs> the, the empty crowds or whatever can 
if that was his top priority, I think he would have said so. I think if Nolan would have would have said, I don't ever believe this franchise is going to win, if he felt that way, he would have said so. I think Nolan Arenado very specifically named his problem, his very specific problem. So I, I, I tend to agree with RK here. I don't think it's a, it's an I want out of Colorado situation. It could if, – if those two things end up being one and the same – if they say to him, look, we're we're keeping Jeff, Jeff's our GM no matter what, then the answer to those questions becomes the same thing. Then, yes, Nolan Arnold does want out of Colorado. I mean, and the fans have been letting letting that front office know for the entire offseason that they want to fire Jeff Breidich, that they want him out. There's petitions going on. On this Periscope, there's so many comments of people just saying fire Jeff Breidich. So I feel like if it doesn't happen, then the fan base, a lot of them will stop showing up to games and will stop supporting. They will. They will stop showing up to Coors Field. It will be emptier than you have ever seen it in your life. Especially if they don't fire Jeff Breidich and they turn around and trade Nolan Arenado, you might as for twenty five cents on the dollar now because now everybody knows. Now season ticket holders are going to be showing up. I mean, then it then it goes from this is really bad to this is an extraordinary disaster from whence the organization could take the better part of a decade to recover. Did, did the Cardinals just, like, immediately call back again? Oh, yeah. The negotiations <laughs> were over. Right. They read that report. Jeff, so. bud. Yeah. I feel like, like more than just the Cardinals, right? Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like Brightish's phone blew hey, up last we night. we can take GM. this off your hands, buddy. It's been a busy week, tough week for you. Easy solution. As I was wrapping up the podcast last night, one of my regular interactors just wrote in all caps, Nolan Arenado has been traded to the Cubs, and I just, I didn't, it was just at that moment such a believable thing and i was just like <laughs> just tell me if that's true or not like i'll give you analysis i'll give you thoughts and opinions just let me know if that's actually happened well yeah because more comments came out and i try to f- find a way to make you know Allie. the comments so then i wrote it on the facebook and were right so i was telling you truth and then right after that the guy's like nolan arenado's traded to the cubs and i'm like why would you say that i'm looking it up trying right. to see if it's true or not <laughs> Everyone else immediately like, no, no. And Drew's like, you owe me a beer, dude. That's yeah. bad for everyone. That's bad for no one iron out to the Cubs would be would bad, be for, bad for everybody. No one wins that. Nobody wants the Cubs that. don't even win that because <laughs> they'll probably trade them because they don't want to spend money. They're having their own yeah. teardown problem. So next week, will we know what what the solution is? Better not take that long, Zach. <laughs> I don't know if I could survive a week. I mean, uh, uh, like you guys were saying earlier, I mean, back what was it Brandon said, why didn't this happen overnight? Like, I don't know that I don't own the team, but it can't take a week. Right. This isn't a week long deliberation. Each second this is that it doesn't happen, easy conversation. But you can't. Who are you deliberating with? In the right. <laughs> what call so is we, there? To we've make? got some comments on the Periscope <laughs> that bet. I'm gonna uh, read. A lot of Jeff Brady should be fired. Sure. Um, someone said GMs are like running backs, very replaceable. Uh, someone else said Creaseman for GM 2020. Uh, can Joe Sackick be a GM for two teams at the same time? You don't want that. Bring in Larry <laughs> Walker for GM. Is vote wearing a DNVR beanie? He is not. Uh, he is wearing a one, The beanie. second we make one, it'll be the only thing. Oh, right. I know. We right? really should. Yeah. Um, uh, who won the week? Not the Rockies. <laughs> this week, they should do who lost the week so the Rockies can finally get a W. I love it. <laughs> I, love, I love where your head's at right now. That's fantastic stuff. Either that or we go the other way and see if I can get zero votes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, this isn't the only thing going on today. <laughs> there is also the Larry Walker possibly oh, goodness. being inducted into the Hall of Fame or possibly not, which we are having a watch party at the Blake Street Tavern at three to three to six for the news. And people will either be drinking in celebration or drinking in sorrows. Either way, a lot of Breck Brews going on. A around. lot of Breck <laughs> Brews. They're right. there to help you no matter what. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, wow. Drew, one to ten. Yeah. Just give it to me straight. Chances. One to ten. How do you feel, like gut feeling? Three. Oh man. Oh, oh no. This is this this is number was thirty-three. Oh, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> He'll miss by three votes. That's what it'll be. He'll miss mm. by three votes. It'll be Peter Gammons. Oh, son of a gun. <laughs> and the two people, the first two people that did. Jeter only ballots. I think there were. What about three. what about the Raiders writer who oh who voted for? That's the worst ballot of all of them. Jeter, Vizquel, and Jeff Kent. And Jeff Kent. And, uh, cited and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. Just those. I just don't understand why. Like why only vote for one per? I just I don't understand that. I know we've talked about this before, and you get very angry well, about it, Drew. But <laughs> there, it just doesn't make sense. Drew's in his own Groundhog Day hell right now. <laughs> 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 There's a, a an opinion out there, Allie, that uh, the Hall of Fame in baseball ought to be incredibly small. Now, let's understand one fact. It is. Less than 1% of people who have ever played in Major League Baseball are in the Hall of Fame. And fewer people have been elected into the Hall of Fame in the last 20 to 25 years than in any other like era that you could cut off, like a 20-year period. Like It's become a more and more exclusive club. It hasn't become a less and less sure. exclusive club. Is that because you get these self-important writers like the, the Shaughnessy's of the world who, who are like, I'm a small hall guy and there can only be one per class? Exactly. They, they, they call themselves small hall people. That is the worst name for the worst Small group. Hall. <laughs> yeah. Small hall. That's like a skit, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that's it's really. And then, of course, many of these people happen to reside on and cover teams that play on the coast where there's more people and they don't have to think about uh, the middle of the country. And they certainly don't have to think about Colorado Rockies baseball. They're the only team or I think sometimes the Diamondbacks, but they do a weird um, time like, they don't observe daylight savings. Anyway, yeah. we're getting weird. But I think the Colorado Rockies are the only team that play in their time zone. They're very easy to skip. Uh, so it's very easy to not do any research. And that's clearly what people have done. I've read the articles. You didn't do your research. Um, before we keep going, it, the watch party is at Blake Street Tavern, not Sports Column. Just want right. everyone to know yes. that because we got someone saying watch parties at Sports Column. Nope. nope. Blake, Blake Street, Street Tavern. Blake Street Tavern. We will be there. It's there. I promise you. This man I'll be there. He Look knows. for Drew's beard. That's, it'll, it'll be going down. We'll all be living through it together. Um, I don't know how to say your name, but happy birthday. Roth in Wyoming. He says if oh, he yeah. gets in, it would be a great birthday present for me today. Oh, happy yeah. birthday. Happy birthday. Sorry. I sorry hope. about the. Hi, Jacob. <laughs> sorry about that. He's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Um, uh, and and it's going to be because of this. Yeah. The, the, they didn't bother to do the research, they didn't bother to think about it. The justifications that are being given publicly for not voting for Larry Walker range from, that's just not true, to that's not a reason you would ever apply to literally any other person ever. And the fact it's that- basically cores, injuries, yeah. and I'm a moron. Yeah, 
and and <laughs> yeah, and that Derek Jeter's going to get in unanimously. That's just a slap in the face. It really is. It's downright disrespectful to every single person who's ever put on a Colorado Rockies uniform, worked for the organization, every usher, every person that's ever walked into Coors Field. It's damn disrespectful. Man, I just, I come <laughs> from the East Coast. So does Vote. And like the more I've lived in Colorado, oh, it's so <laughs> frustrating. It's real. The coastal bias is it's real. It's so yeah. real. And it's so frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to watch with the Nuggets. It's frustrating to hear everything about Coors Field, to see the arguments and, and all of that. And even with the abs, and I feel like... And Nathan McKinnon's stolen heart trophy. Exactly. And the Broncos definitely, I feel like, get the least of it. But there is still... Like, oh, it's the Broncos. And I think they get the least of it because of the championships they've won. But, man, I really wouldn't have known how bad the bias was until I've lived here for so long. And I'm just like, that's BS. I'd be eating up all that misinformation Drew was just talking about. The people who didn't do their research that have their antiquated or outdated stats about how to measure impact at and away from cores without the knowledge of people on the ground who were there who paid attention, um, I would have no idea that this is a le- not just a legitimate case. It's really frustrating. He should be in. And it, I just don't get the – I mean, I think the timing of games – and I don't know how to fix it, but I feel like timing of the games is what's hardest for people on the East Coast to be watching a game that starts at 11 for them. They're like, oh, I'll watch a little bit and go to sleep. And, and there are a million little things like that working against Larry Walker. He never went out and, and promoted himself and went on the TV shows and did the big radio interviews – he, he, he liked hockey more than baseball. He liked <laughs> hockey more than baseball. Some people have. I'll straight up say right now, and I'm going to repeat later on another podcast, there are people who aren't voting for Larry Walker for personal reasons because they don't like his general attitude, which is like, bruh. I mean, that's <laughs> why Kurt Schilling's not in, right? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, Schilling's numbers are a little, I think it's are a little more debatable than Walker's. I mean, but after Mussina got in. Well, I, I'm yeah, I, and I don't think Messina should be in the Hall of Fame either. But that, like Brandon was saying, like this shouldn't even be close. And and it's also not just a middle of the country thing. If Larry Walker played for any any of the 29 other teams in baseball, he would have been in the Hall of Fame five years ago. If he did that rest of his career in St. Louis, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? If that entire well, if career flipped, happened in St. Louis, he, I should say, rather. Yeah, 10 years, precisely. If he, if he had done his prime in St. Louis and ago. ended in Colorado, he would he would have been in five years ago. 100%. There is no element of the game of baseball that Derek Jeter was in any measurable way better than Larry Walker. Wow. Spice. I mean, it's not really Spice, but it sounds like it. It, it does yeah, sound like Spice. Absolutely. But I know, I know there are people like you who make the case like, hey, this isn't even really close. There are a lot, there's a lot of mythology around Derek Jeter. He, I mean, was, a, he was a bad wins. defender. And, like, a a good longevity hitter at a premium defensive position. Doesn't sit right in my soul Mm. taking shots at him, but the point being that (laughs) that there are, like, Jeter-only ballots is, like, beyond head-scratching. It's insane to think that he needs to be fawned over so much like he invented the game of baseball. (laughs) Like, he he invented – he was the first shortstop ever. He wasn't even the best member of that version of the Yankees. That was cool. Someone asked the Rockies, or someone said the Rockies organization kind of screwed him over with only just now retiring his number. Do you agree with that, Drew? I don't disagree with it. I I don't know how much difference it really would have made, but I do think I, – I don't know that there are Hall of Fame voters out there going, you know, I was going to vote for Larry Walker, but now that I see his number isn't retired. Right. But – 
How can we put him in the Hall of Fame if the Rockies won't even retire his There number? is a subconscious, and it's not just the Rockies. It's Okay, everyone's here to make sure I don't get fired, right? It's other people <laughs> in media. There has been a local lack of recognition across the board. Media, the Rockies themselves, uh, other teams in the area, to recognize the existence of the franchise and one of the best players to ever play the game. Yes, his number should have been retired a long time ago, but also, like, there, I, I, I think it gets into the subconscious of the national. Oh, they said we don't have to pay attention. They're telling you in back in Philly, back on the East Coast, Brandon, and they're, and, and they're telling you you don't have to care. Right. Because if, if the paper of record in Denver is saying he's not a Hall of Famer, I don't have to check into it any further. Sure. If the people there, if, if no one's making the argument on the grand scale – from a local perspective, from either the team or the media, and the player's not going to do it. Right. So while it may, it may be the coast keeping him out, it need, if he doesn't get in this year, it needs to start from within Colorado and, look at and move out. It, look yeah. at the difference between the Broncos finally getting a bunch of guys into the hall, right? And it, it started because locally there was a huge push. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't exist any on, in any of the other media environments covering any of the other teams in Denver. It's soft. The and media is just soft. Let, let you me, in on a, on, on a big yeah. secret about all these East and West Coast big markets. They're all their own biggest cheerleaders. They are their importance is a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Voted for Jeff Kent. With that, and and it, this is important though. Like as Denver, again, it's in a super malleable phase. It's growing, right? The people who comprise the city are changing. Like it's very very important that there's some attempt to establish this because. You might be right that the barrier between Denver being there and there is is putting themselves there, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to put yourself out there as a media market to to put yourself in position to be recognized so, nationally. So don't let three big television contracts expire for two teams at the same. Well, we'll talk about that later. So yeah. let, and let me say, uh, sorry, AJ. Don't, don't get AJ going on that one. I mean, I I I don't have an opinion anymore. But here's a, I'll say a positive and a negative at the same Rich time. People. Our our great friend Manny Rondala, who will be at the event, who has at done Blake Street Tavern at Blake Street Tavern <laughs> in, in just a few hours, knows. Um, who wrote the book. Who you know what I'm gonna ma- I was gonna make the announcement just a bit later, but we're, we're making it official today. I will be doing the uh, half of the audio book for Manny Rondala's book on the Blake hey. Street Bombers. That's gonna be fantastic. Nice. I'm very excited about that. Um, a, bl- a book on the Blake Street Bombers wasn't written and published until a few months ago by a guy who grew up a San Francisco Giants fan <laughs> and has been writing for MLB.com <laughs> for several years now, but not decades. He's yeah. my age. He's There's never been a book about Larry Walker before. There's never been a champion. Of course, I've been championing Larry Walker for 10 years. I, I went to the ballpark and watched him hit. 400-foot home runs when I was eight years old. Why is it on Manny Randawa? He's done a phenomenal job. Right. It should never have been his. In that same light, like, my f- first baseball memories are going to Coors Field and listening to Crazy Train, like, playing, watching Larry Walker come and hit home runs. But, like, even until they just announced the the number retirement, could I even go out and buy a Larry Walker jersey? Like, I feel like I've tried – and I just haven't been able to find, like, I'll scour Amazon. And unless I'm buying, like, a game-worn jersey, like, I, I just 
Do they exist? Like still to this day, we should be right. selling Larry Walker in Denver. Yeah. You mean like down at the stadium? No. Shirts and stuff? I don't, I mean. And look, if you're, this is why this stuff is important. Like the Rockies are young. And while there's a lot of like ineptitude in, in the history, it's actually not necessarily the Rockies' fault that there's this lack of interest, right? Because it takes generations and it takes people who have memories having kids and wanting those kids to have the same memories. But this, like, that's why it's important that the people who have memories of Larry Walker, that that's validated in this right. way. And when they're talking to their kids, it's, it's not just Larry Walker, the great Rocky. It's Larry, Rocky, Larry Walker, the Hall of Famer, right. the great baseball player mm-hmm. who's from Colorado, well, played in Colorado. Well, and to, to me, when I, when I hear it, it needs to start locally. I think it, it goes to the organization itself. And that's one of the things the Broncos did a great job of was parading Pat Bolin and, and Champ Bailey this past year. And they led the cause. Then the local media gets behind it. Then it spreads outside. I mean, if you can't buy uh, a 33 jersey in, in the store, and that's a big team store down there at, at the stadium. They're, I mean, that's just one small thing that they're not helping his cause with. They It needs to start there and then spread out and i mean it's not perfect of course there's a lot of fan a lot of people in general including most of us here that think steve atwater should already be in that but they're trying they keep pushing and they keep helping it's not going to be instant but it is help from the organization itself that actually reminded me i'm walking a tightrope all day so let me tell a sourced story zach that you just reminded me of i spoke to a ball player last year on the colorado rockies who had broken a record and he was looking for his baseball or his picture something at the stadium (laughs) to acknowledge that it took place yeah and you just kept looking you just kept looking it's just still looking to this day yeah Yeah. and i don't you know (laughs) i'm not gonna feel these wandering around (laughs) 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 gotta be in here somewhere and to be fair there are a lot of weird places where there are pictures hung up at Coors Field, and they change them out a lot. And and like the, but it's like, again, I'm not going to tell you the record, but that has to be up somewhere, yeah. right? It should be one of the first things you see when you walk in the clubhouse. You need to celebrate your success. You have to celebrate your history, your successes, whatever they may be. And I think that's one of the things they did a great job of at Pepsi Center was when they renovated a lot of it in the last couple of years, um, you know, the, the Nuggets, the Nuggets hallway is a little different, uh, but, like, the Avalanche hallway that they painted, yeah, it's got, like, the championship parade, yeah. and it's got every trophy ever won by a member of the organization, and the players walk by it every single day. They I, walk by that history every day. I and noticed a distinction, them. too, by the way, between the abs and the nuggets, because I think the abs do a better job with that, and I just noticed that walking through the sort of, like, abs section, if you will. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, they also have, like, a substantially more. more sure, sure. But, like, but, because they got insanely lucky. and. But I think you're right, though. Like, when I walk around, um, like, a Staples Center or, like, a Yankee Stadium, these are both flexes, by the way, you do, like, you kind of <laughs> get this sense, like, oh, this is one of the arenas, and, like, you kind of get that more in the Av section, if you will. Like, there's a, you're right. There's a way yeah. you can sort of market this and celebrate. It. Well, well, and that's the like Finn Scully press box at Dodger Stadium. I was like, damn, I don't know what the name of the press box is. Sure, sure. I do think the Rockies have started to with those re- renovations that they've done in the past years to honor more of their history. There is a lot in the clubhouse that you oh. get to see that. So there are steps being made 
are they fast enough? No. Should they have been made forever ago? Yes. You have to de-scrub three people, and you have to do it now. You want some positive press? Troy Tulowitzki, Ubaldo Jimenez, and Larry Walker need their pictures up and their jerseys up and all of their stuff everywhere. I know some of it got ugly. You can't pretend like those guys never existed. The only picture you're going to see of Troy Tulowitzki anywhere, either at their spring training facility or down at Coors Field, is like in Giant Wands from 2007 where everyone's in a champagne bath. There is one picture I've seen that has Larry Walker in it, and it's the four Blake Street Bombers in street clothes. Is that picture? Wow! I don't think there's any. I mean, I, again, I could be missing some. I haven't seen every picture up that there is. But how's he not everywhere? He's the most talented person to ever wear your uniform, except for maybe the guy you just pissed off at Thursday. With that, dope. Maybe, maybe Drew's gonna stop by Total Bev. I actually stopped by Total Bev last night, and it's just the perfect place to find everything you're looking for. Drew, are you gonna make a stop at? Total Bev soon? On the way home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the best part is they're giving the total or they're giving the DMVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with the max discount applying up to $75 if you use that promo code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. Like I said, they have a great selection of everything. They have an awesome app you can use and they deliver. What more could you ask for? Don't let this offer pass you by order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Now we talked, we've talked a lot about the Rockies. So we're going to move on to some more Denver sports before we hit up the rugby and Raptors. Let's talk about the Nuggets and the Avs. The Avs just uh, started their NHL all-star break and they're mandated um, by, and they have won three straight games. Yep. They beat the Detroit Red Wings mm-hmm. 6-3, which brings a smile to all all Avalanche fans mm. and AJ's so face. Satisfying. We, we love the smile, AJ. <laughs> it was so satisfying. Yesterday was <laughs> as bad a day as it was for Drew. <laughs> uh, was just the opposite for, for us. Uh, it was everything that I've waited my entire life to enjoy in person. Watching an incompetent Detroit Red Wings team <laughs> skate around aimlessly pretending like they're <laughs> like they're an NHL caliber team. It was so glorious. I uh, I was I was really excited at the end of that game. I was like, oh, the Eagles should take these guys on. I think that'd be a good game. Oh my god. It'd be it would be <laughs> awesome AJ. because this is that Red Wings team is going to be the last NHL stop for probably twelve of those guys. They are awful and it is so glorious to sit and just enjoy how terrible they are <laughs> after years of them you know they kind of won the rivalry at its at its peak and then the abs got bad and the red wings just stayed good and now to see it flip it's just great <laughs> and, to, and, and, to watch, and, and to watch the abs just be so much better because a couple years ago they were they were atrocious and Detroit came in and wasn't good themselves and it was like wow this is kind of sad to watch because this used to be like the the height of the NHL was these two teams and now the height of the NHL is back to being Colorado and definitely not Detroit who they are awful and it is it is the it is just so easy for me to enjoy this uh, the absolute worst team in the NHL? By far. Oh, okay. 
by far. He's oh, am I glad you asked? Her. Um, <laughs> Let me they tell are you. they are on pace to be worse than the forty eight point abs. They're on pace for a forty five point season right now, and I'm just me selfishly. I'm hoping they don't get to forty. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that they are because that's they are basically an expansion team uh, right now. They are they are the worst team that the NHL has seen in a very long time. And the best part, the best part, is they did it on accident. <laughs> they they didn't this is like down right like like the the fourteen fifteen Sabers are maybe the worst NHL team that I remember ever watching, and they did that on purpose. They built that team to be bad. What was the year Brandon the Sixers won like eight games? But that was like yeah, I don't remember the exact year, but it was pretty rough. It was, it was, eight, was that right? It was Some, more than eight, but it was it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I would have to look that up. Thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> Hang on, I'm crafting a tweet. Yeah, like the trust the process Sixers were terrible, but yeah, they they right. were intentionally terrible. They were intentionally terrible. terrible. This Red Wings team is accidentally <laughs> terrible, and it is. Just the best thing. Yeah, that's, and to that's see incredible. the abs just dominate them, and it's like it's like one nothing after the first period, and it was frustrating because it was like, oh my god, are they actually gonna blow this against these clowns? And then the second period starts. They score twice in two minutes, and they win six three running away, and they just dominate every aspect. Almost a decade ago, I think the Phoenix Suns came into a season trying to tank. They had like four point guards. And they they won like forty five games by accident. So then they tried to be good the following two seasons and tanked. I don't know, it just kind of reminded me. Of that. <laughs> Hopefully that's the path Detroit's on. I they just can't get it I, right. I just whatever happens in Detroit. I hope I hope that they don't get to forty points this year, or next year, or <laughs> like several years after that would be okay too. And they remain salary capped out because they're incompetent and they signed a bunch of old guys to forever contracts. Uh, that are way too expensive, and it's just great to watch them be this bad. It is, it's just the best. I, I have not enjoyed covering an Avs game quite like yesterday in my entire career. It was so wonderful. It seems like you might take more pleasure in the Red Wings half of this than the Avs. <laughs> it, was, it was specifically watching that the Avs <laughs> dominated them because, like, the Red Wings have been terrible all season, and it's been like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. But seeing it in person and then watching, like, the abs just be several magnitudes above them. I'm going to go on the radio right now. I'll be back. Okay, go. Great. Go. Weird flex. But yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> weird flex. But it was, it was awesome. It was, it was honestly the highlight of the year so far. And now you're on break. Yeah, Stop well, that. and like that you was right off on it that. was the ultimate trap game because they beat St. Louis. They're their big rival right now. And you're feeling like, okay, the emotional letdown. It's the last game before they go on break. It's a they it's a team that they should just show up and beat. Like that's a Detroit shows up and accidentally is down one nothing at the start of every game. They're that bad. <laughs> and it was like the ultimate trap game. And the abs fell into it for a period and then completely dominated the rest of the way. And it was like Oh, this is glorious. <laughs> this is super fun. It's a great note to go into the into the uh, the break on. The players don't care, of course. I want to talk about two players. Nazem Kadri has mm. now he scored two goals um, in yesterday's game and is now 
at 16 goals a season, which that's more than he had 17, all. 17, I think. 17. The second goal is 17. 17. More than he had all last season. Yeah, and last year he was the 3C in Toronto. And when the Avs got him, a lot of people were like, Meh, he only scored 16 goals yeah, last year. Yeah, I saw a lot of people being like, and, eh, and, about And it was like, this is, this is like a multiple 30-goal score when he's in the top six. Like, let him do his thing. And we've seen he's lived up to everything that the Avs have, have more or less wanted from him. Um, and yesterday was a great example. And, you know, you needed somebody else to step up behind McKinnon. And Detroit was bad enough that they let everybody step up. <laughs> so that was great. But uh, Kadri did a great job. He was really good yesterday. With that, we can transition to Kale McCarr just continuing to be spectacular. Yeah, I mean, he's no Quinn Hughes, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> he's uh, he's great. Yeah, he was he was really good again yesterday. Um, but, I mean, the, all the superlatives that apply that, that we've said about him all year still apply. We talked to Rudo last week about his thoughts on Kale not making the All-Star. What do you think, It's AJ? a joke. <laughs> it's, it's your showcase for your league for, for skill, speed, and talent. And you have a chance, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, to go against each other because the Central and the Pacific always start the the three-on-three they play each other to begin with. And you had an opportunity there. And there were already three Blues players going, so why the fourth needed to go, why David Perron needed to go and just be – now that roster is now four of 11 uh, Blues. All I I know is that if uh, the rumors are true and that Denver is hosting the All-Star game next season – um, there better there better be a grip of Avs on that team. Yeah. After uh, they set the precedent with the Blues, so when the Avs win the Cup this year and they're the defending champs hosting the All Star Game, that they better be like half the Avs. Better be like on that All Star team next year. And Kill Kill McCard needs to be the captain of that team just to prove a point. Yeah. Quinn Hughes was never captain. Well. Hey, do you think it's good for him to get some rest though? After yeah, sure, college? it's fine. It's it's fine. Like they have the bye week built around it, so the rest thing doesn't do a lot mm. for me. It's like two or three days in St. Louis of the skills challenge, hanging out, which would have been fun to watch him in, uh, and then the game itself, which he would have been electric in. Um, so that it would have been great, but then he would have been able to go and rest, and it would have been fine. And I feel like this is just not the best time for Kale to go into a week because he's finally got, like, he was hurt. It took him a while to get back into who yeah. he was, and now he's finally back into yeah, he'd, he'd getting gotten back points into that almost rhythm. every night. Yeah, and yeah. now. And now they have another break. And yeah, it's, it's fine. The rest will be great for everybody. People are saying Florida is hosting the All-Star game next year. Okay, well, then in two years. It's Panthers host next year. That's good. There's a huge time. market for hockey in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Bay is great. Yeah. Miami is I mean, Miami's a bad sports. And then um, AvsFan37 said, I mean, the last time we hosted, we won the cup. So dot, 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 dot. So make it happen. What are we waiting for? Let's make it happen. Why aren't the Cronkies pushing harder for this? Obviously, there's correlation. Let's have an ownership talk. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of an ownership talk. How are those TV deals going? Instead of an ownership talk, let's move on to the Nuggets, who are still doing well, even though they don't have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, or Paul Millsap. Their reserves have really stepped up. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 107 to 100 last night. And Michael Porter Jr., my God, that man is just getting in that rhythm. He's just getting better and better every game. Yeah, he has arrived. And watching that game, I couldn't help but think of Game 82 in April of 2018 when the Timberwolves edged out the Nuggets for the final spot in the Western Conference playoffs. 
winning in overtime. Of course, that also solidified the Nuggets draft position at 14. As we all know, Michael Porter Jr. ends up becoming a Denver Nugget that summer. If that doesn't happen, I mean, I think the Nuggets are still trending up. The Wolves are still trending down as they were when they met uh, Jokic's first team now. He's sort of leapfrogged Towns. But the, the biggest difference in that matchup was, wow, this guy who's there, maybe because they lost that game, which ultimately motivated the rest of the core, right? And this group rallied around that game. Like, they've got this guy leading them to victory that is probably going to be a superstar if he stays healthy. And, I mean, I don't have to – we've talked about Denver – just now, I mean, I don't have to explain to you guys the odds of the Denver Nuggets bringing a second superstar into town um, anyway outside of the draft, astronomically low. They may have done it at 14. Um, so there was just a lot of like serendipity and, and, and a lot of just fun emotion watching MPJ go off last night. There's plenty that's happened in the Nuggets season so far, but the, like, the only real takeaway is this guy is who we thought he was. And there are a lot of hurdles to clear, but if he reaches stardom on that rookie contract, which is super on the table, um, that title window goes from like a, maybe if someone gets injured and the Nuggets get lucky to, no, they might just be good enough one day. And when? When you say all of the things, like like he's arrived and if he reaches that potential and the championship window, when are we talking? Is that is that this year? Can, can, can that Look, be man, set up no. this year? So, is so it next year? Is it a couple this years? This year maybe feels a little early, but I mean, Harrison. You got a smile, though. Ha- Harrison, <laughs> exactly. And you've got a great smile. I've told you that before. So. <laughs> Harrison Wind has been you. all over this. Like, every time, like, the more he plays, he just continues to get better at this outrageous rate. And so it's like, why put a ceiling on that? Why, why not just look at it as, well, if he's playing 20 minutes a night? Who's to say he can't be at a, at a contribute to win in the playoff level come April? I don't know if it'll be enough to contend this year, but we're, we're at the point now where you go, just play him. Just play him and find yeah. out because there's a chance that come this time next year, the Denver Nuggets are title contenders, not in that best of the rest group. And it's because he's the second best player on this team. It's tough to play him when you have Tory Craig, though. Oh, That's man. what I was going to ask you next, which obviously <laughs> is more of a question that you probably can't answer. But you, you have Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Gary Harris out. You're playing the Timberwolves. Why not start Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, I mean, there's, a, you said there's a lot at play. <laughs> there, I think I'm I don't truly becoming a Denver. <laughs> I feel comfortable referring to, I guess, what you would you would call a stubbornness in Michael Malone. Um, I, th- I think he's a great coach. I think sometimes that stubbornness is at the heart of what makes him who he is and effective. But part of this is that Torrey Craig has earned this opportunity. Right? He was great last season when there were injuries. In, in a vacuum, has earned this opportunity, right? Like on, on a different team, if Michael Porter Jr. is not behind him, it is the case that, that Torrey Craig, in a way that Michael Malone appreciates through hustle, through defense, through coachability, actually contributed to wins when they desperately needed it last season. All of that said, um, I, I know Malone believes defense gives you the best chance to win, but we just have enough evidence now that shows us Craig starting alongside Jokic, particularly alongside Grant, it just it disrupts the flow of the offense to an extent where I'm not even concerned about the defense anymore. Like It's great that Craig's a great individual defender, but how much is that adding up to? The team's still getting smoked defensively, by the way. And how do we weigh this against, look, when they're at their best, it's because Jokic feels happy and free. And he doesn't with Torrey Craig in there. He looks like he hates Torrey Craig. He does not like, I don't, I, this is my read. This is not a report. Crystal clear. I do not think he likes playing offensively with Torrey Craig. I'm sure he likes Torrey Craig. I sure he thinks Torrey Craig has a lot to offer a basketball team. 
but there's a there's a specific way as good as Jokic is at passing there's a way you need to play with him and and Craig doesn't really have that skill set and Jokic kind of believes in a faceless army type of thing it should be five guys out there we're all a threat right offensively and if we play the right way we'll find open buckets playing the right way is harder with Craig out there um I just think we have enough evidence now that shows us I think Malone's wrong. Malone's been right about a lot. I think he's wrong on this. It is the stubbornness. Him is a response to him showing the media. Uh, I'm smarter than you because kind of saw it with the Broncos this year with Drew Locke and the way they handled him. Yeah. They kept saying they had a plan. They had a plan. Yeah. They had a plan. But wouldn't tell us. And and the way it came off was just come on, guys. We know what we're doing. You guys aren't football players. You're not football coaches. You don't know what's going on. And with Malone, especially after his comments on Sunday's game, when yeah. he was asked about Michael Porter Jr.'s game, and he he went off. He said, "This isn't all about Michael Porter Jr. I need to be. I need to stop being asked about him after every game." I do think there's a little bit of that. I do think there's a little bit of like, who are you guys to tell me? Like all this success we're talking about building off of, like, does that happen if I'm not the head coach? Like, I know what I'm doing. Um, so there's something to that, but but I also I, I also think Malone <laughs> genuinely believes to some extent this gives them the best chance of winning. I think he's mistaken there. I think he's right that it takes an everyday like mental effort for this team to focus on defense to the point where they're in that top 15 group, but that can be taken too far. Like you don't want to sacrifice offense to defense to the point where Jokic is grumpy now. You just don't. It's not yeah. worth it. Um, and then subsequently, they'll all become less engaged on defense as the offense doesn't look like they want it to. So I, it's just time. Wh- whether it's he's trying to prove a point to us, whether he truly believes this, like the your ceiling this year and the years after, it's highest if MPJ plays and develops. I think everyone knows that. So I, I applaud his his slow introduction of MPJ into this system. I think that was the right call. I think people saying MPJ should have been starting from day one are wrong. Yeah. But we were at that point now. If guys are injured, if MPJ can be starting, what are we doing? Get him in there. Yeah, and I feel like especially with certain teams like the Timberwolves who are struggling so badly, why not? They're not going to pose as much of a threat on defense immediately, so why not start with a hot offense? For sure, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but like who is a rhetorical question. Who is Torrey Craig locking down on the Timberwolves? Exactly. It's not Carl Anthony Towns, so who's the perimeter player? You know, so these are, these are just weird decisions after a while. Um, I think Malone's steadfast belief in defense – as a holistically is beneficial for this team. They wouldn't be anywhere near where they're at defensively if he wasn't obsessive about it. But this is a perfect example of where it's gone too far. And, and also, man, just like from a fan, strip your media, what's best for the team. MPJ is the most watchable player on the team. I'm a Nikola Jokic stan. I'm a Mares disciple. Like, I'm all <laughs> about the Jokic ball. But come on, man, like good or bad, you cannot take your eyes off MPJ for a second. Yeah. We, we were just talking about what's it going to take to get Denver into that national spotlight. More MPJ, man. This is as this is the superstar archetype, man. He's not just good. He's marketable. He's got that smile. Like, it's MPJ season. And I would assume Jokic is all in for this plan, by the way. Like, make MPJ the face yeah. of the team. So let's get it going. Let's get it going. How much, how much do you think you talked about Torrey Craig earned this, right? And how much of that is applying to MPJ? 
where the message he's sending is not to the media, but it's to MPJ. Oh, I, I think that's been a big You one. have to earn this every single day. It is a day in and day out commitment. But you know what? Oh, you had, rookie, a, you had a great like, 25 you minutes. Te- yeah. Teach that mentality. A couple nights ago. Like, oh, the, like, awesome. You did a great job on that day. Yeah. You need to come back tomorrow. Yep. Because yesterday doesn't matter anymore. And, and you got to keep doing it. And also, like, Michael, I know you can score. With the best of them. Congrats. But we're a 56-win team. So what can you do for us? Mm-hmm. Defense, rebounding. So you're right. I think that was part of it. I think to Malone's credit, like, we're seeing that. I think MPJ has a certain attitude and approach to basketball right now that I would wager, I could conceive of this not manifesting in a different situation. Let's say he's drafted to Atlanta and Lloyd he goes Pierce to just, Sacramento yeah, and, and they, and they just play to him. shoot 20, 30 times a night. I think right now Porter is concerned with defense and rebounding. And that, I think, is the foundation of the brightest timeline for his career. So Malone deserves credit, but there comes a time and folks, I think, were there. All right. Well, we've been we've been smiling a lot with these Nuggets and Avs teams. And with that, your teeth always have to look nice. Um, and our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group can help you out with that as they are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Last thing that we'll get to is the Broncos have officially hired offensive coordinator uh, Pat Shermer. Bingo. <laughs> I almost forgot <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, because we haven't had a press conference. We literally, after they hired him, it was like no news has come out yep. after that. Um, we got a little bit of Ryan's takes last or last week about what that meant, but it wasn't official yet. Now that it is. Zach, how do you feel about it? Well, my favorite thing about the move is that Vic Fangio finally gets his guy. And it's just, it it reminds me of Vance Joseph's first year. John Elway builds this coaching staff around Vance Joseph. Doesn't really seem like Vance gets all of his input on the coaching staff. Then after Vance's first year, John says, you know what? If you're going to fail, I'm going to let it it be on your watch. He lets him hire his guys. Then, of course, Vance failed, and they fired that coaching staff. And then last year... Rich Gangrello, John's guy. It was John's offense. John helped pick him out. And now this year, one year in, after that didn't work, Pat Shermer is Vic's guy. And that's so important within no matter what organization we're talking about, whether sports or not, that you're going to empower the people below you. So I like it from that standpoint. But stability. John Elway talked about it last year, how important it is to have stability on the offensive side of the ball, especially – for a young quarterback, well, you got the young quarterback, and you just you just keep shaking it. You keep shaking that globe, and, and this offense can't get any stability on that side. Pat Shermer's a guy who you can convince yourself he's going to be here for a long time because he's not going to get another head coaching job in a long time, even if he does really well because he's failed twice now. So he could be here you for a long that. time. Giants but fan over there. That's <laughs> <was> rough. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> That's what Giants fans have, have been saying. But with, with with Shermer, he has to be here for many years in order for this to be good. But I could have said that with Rich Gangarello. They were going to give him a few years because he was young. They were going to work through his kinks. Uh, uh, Musgrave, Bill Musgrave a couple years ago. Uh, Mike McCoy a couple years ago. It's the exact same situations where you can convince yourself that these guys were going to be here, and then they weren't. So I like the move on the surface because – the one thing that he brings is uh, he's not going to be afraid. 
and that was very clear mm-hmm. that at times last year, Rich Gangarella was afraid whether to, to go deep in the game, call shots, be aggressive. Shermer's not going to, to be afraid, but he has to be here in order for it to work out. And so I, if he's here one year from now, that's probably a good hire. I can't say he's going to be here in one year. Yep. We really don't know with this with this offense. We've seen six or five, five offensive coordinators. Five, and it's the first time since 2014. Or it's the first time since 2014 that there's not a head coach change or a quarterback controversy in the offseason. But then you throw this in there, and it, it messes with that stability. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. We've had a lot going on, so we haven't had a chance to jump into the rugby side of things, so I really do want to do that. Uh, Didn't realize that the Rockies, Larry Walker, Nolan Arenado thing would take up around 40 minutes of the show, so... Let's transition. You mean, you mean Drew's group therapy session? <laughs> yeah, Drew's group. I think he, he really it, needed yeah, it. He yeah. It. I could tell. <laughs> and from what I could see, we had a solid 100 Rockies, uh, 100 people on the Periscope at that moment. So I think Rockies fans needed that. So with that, let's transition into rugby. Colin, a lot of us don't know very much about rugby, maybe a little. I've seen a few games, never professional, um, but I had friends in high school who played on the rugby team. I was skeptical of that. I've seen a few games. I was like, name (laughs) them. I will. McLean versus Langley in (laughs) Northern Virginia, Um, which is high school, very similar to professional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same. Uh, There's no real rule changes. Like The only real big change that MLR's put in is it's kind of – um, the games are the matches. Excuse me, are broken down into quarters, and it's really like you get a one-minute water break at the 20-minute mark, um, and then okay. at the 60-minute mark, which doesn't exist the rest of the world. But because it's American, they need to work in commercials. They need the money, mm. and you need a break sometimes. So the Americans like, are soft. Yeah. <laughs> they need that water. You didn't hear from me. Yes, <laughs> this is first time on the pod, bro. Don't put those. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Cool. And so how did you get into rugby? Did you play yourself? Yeah. How did you jump into this world? Yeah. Uh, so I played – I was a football player from the second I could put on pads. I played from when I was seven years old to when I was a senior in high school. Um, about sophomore year of high school, we had uh, uh, one of the players on my football team, his dad, was super involved with the, the rugby program, the academy team out in Glendale. And uh, he just asked if I wanted to play. I wasn't playing any spring sports, so I decided to give it a try. And fell in love with it so that was in 2010 2011 and I've been involved in ever in some way ever since then so yeah, that's kind of how it started how cool has it been the fact that Colorado has been one of the forefront states to have rugby be part of sports in Colorado over other states in the United States yeah it's yeah no it's been awesome um out in at Infinity Park Glendale's called Rugby Town USA and it is that for a reason um, Glendale's been around since 2007. Uh, they, I think they started their practicing behind like a Safeway or something, and now <laughs> you go check it out. They've got like a 5,000 seat venue, and some of the best rugby really in the United States is played there. So um, this, if you're looking to get into the sport, Colorado and Denver especially is really the place to be. There's I, no better place. I could be making this up, but I thought I heard that that stadium's like the largest pure rugby stadium in North America or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, it was the first ever rugby-specific stadium like ever built in the United States is wow. Infinity Park. So, And since then, I think there's been two or three more. I know Houston, uh, Houston Sabercats was another MLR team. Uh, they just opened their own rugby-specific venue down in Houston last year. Uh, Viva Stadium. I'm not sure capacity on that, but I think it's around 3,500. So, okay. um, we have someone asking. UK Denver Nuggets is asking: Is the MLR u- league or union? It's union. 
So that's uh, one big, I know that's kind of confusing with the name being Major League Rugby, but so there's two like specific like kinds of rugby. It's Rugby League and Rugby Union, and Rugby Union is the one that's primarily played here in the United States. Okay. I know there's some Rugby League teams spread around, I think particularly in the, in the South and I think in the East, so um, yeah, but it's Union. If you have more questions on the Periscope, be sure to let us know, and what we'll ask Colton. What does that mean? Yeah, I was going to say. The rules in league and union are slightly different. In union, it's it's a lot more rucks, which is which is essentially the equivalent to a play in football. So if you you run the ball, you get tackled, then you'll see you get one placement, so you can either move it forward or backwards. So you'll see everyone place the ball back towards their team. People will ruck over to make like kind of a wall, and then it recycles it back out. So it's a lot more rucks. Um, the scoring is a bit different in league and union, um, but that's that's really the the big classifications there. UK Denver Nuggets said to thank God, so <laughs> we're getting the so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like union, but it's that's the, what I grew up learning. So so you just told us capacity. Where where is Rugby Town USA with like the hype right now? Are people going to games? Is it a great yeah. culture, great atmosphere? Yeah, so um, I guess kind of a little background on me before I made the switch over to join you guys at the DNVR here. I worked for the MLR for two, the first two seasons, um, and so I had the opportunity. I've watched seriously every match. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel to some of the other venues. I've been to the away stadiums and and last year was the first year I really did see the growth. Um, mm. For instance, our final was uh, San Diego, Seattle. In San Diego, I was played on Channel 4, on CBS, and we drew numbers. We went head-to-head with uh, the final round of the U.S. Open. Um, it drew numbers. I think it was almost a million people tuned in to watch. So wow. last year was the first year I really did see it grow, and um, certainly being out at Infinity Park, I've caught every, caught every home match that the Raptors have played except two. In the two years, so um, yeah, it's it's getting full. Um, USA played Canada there in June for a test match as kind of like a a warm up for the World Cup. That was in September, so August September. Yeah, who there. won that? Um, oh, put me on the spot. South Africa won. Yeah, that was their second or third, I believe. So yeah, South Africa won that one. Uh, USA didn't look so hot. There's quite a bit of, of room left, but um, that was a packed house when USA played Canada. So who won that? USA. Yeah. yeah. USA is, uh, That's what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Canada, Sucky Canada. I'd have to check my numbers. I think Canada has a slight edge, but USA hasn't lost to Canada in a while. Is um, USA right rugby, like, is it is it relevant in the rugby world? Is it competitive? Do they do well in international <laughs> competitions? Yeah, so um, so there's the two types of union, I guess, is, is sevens rugby and 15s, so yeah. MLR is 15s. Sevens is seven on seven, seven minute halves, two minute halftime. You play on a full size field. So I think people have equated it to playing 3v3 basketball sure. on a football field. Sure. Like it's super tiring. It's like it takes such specialized training to even be able to compete. Like I know a lot of the guys that play um, primarily in sevens that played on the World Cup, like still haven't gotten back into like sevens shape yet because mm-hmm. it takes that long. Um, but I guess as far as USA Rugby, the 15s team, like I mentioned, the World Cup didn't look so hot. Uh, they didn't win a match. They, they scored a few times, but they, they were also in a real, real tough bracket. They got a tough draw. But the seven side, it, they're really good. Like, they almost won the, the World Seven circuit last year. They took second to Fiji, and, like, Fiji sevens is, like, the game. Like, it doesn't even look like people are playing the same sport when Fiji's playing. 
to be honest. Like it, it looks like art. Is so sorry. Go ahead. When does the season start for the Raptors? Uh, the season. So they're in the preseason right now. They just had uh, two. They did the, a joint training session with the Toronto Arrows, um, which is the only team in Canada. They were a playoff team last year. That was last Thursday. They played rugby ATL, which is one of the three expansion teams on Saturday night. Um, the Raptors end up winning that one, 32-26. And then they'll play one more preseason game in Austin, Texas against the Austin Herd on Saturday. Um, Austin had a tough season last year. They went 0-16. They were like the the Browns of MLR. But the <laughs> Red great great yes. comparison. That'll help our fans. The Browns our, of MLR, I saw that fans. going around the, the team. Um, there was a, they were competitive in a lot of games. I know even in the last week of the season they took – the Seattle Sea Wolves, which is the back-to-back MLR champions, they took them to the wire um, in the last game of the season, um, and then they'll they'll have a break for the Super Bowl, and then they'll start playing the week after the Super Bowl, which is fe- uh, February eighth, and they'll go down to Houston to play the SaberCats at Aviva Stadium, uh, yeah, and then two weeks after that, I think is the twenty second, the Open at home against uh, the Nola Gold. So, how many games in a season? Sixteen. It's a sixteen game season. You get one by week this year. Um, that came with the addition of the three more teams last year. There was two bye weeks. Um, this week, this year, there's only one. The Raptors is on Easter weekend, so it's kind of right in the middle. I have a follow-up on the sevens-fifteens distinction, and you said the United States does better in sevens. Is that because of the ability to pull from maybe like elite, more elite-trained athletes? Like I know a lot of soccer or football guys can yeah, come over and convert sure. into good sevens players. I think – that just kind of the success in seven just kind of shows the potential that the United States has really if we if more people get get into rugby and have been playing rugby for a longer period of time like put in the effort to learn the rules and get good at it like you there's no reason USA shouldn't be able to hang with the rest of the world right because that's the big difference is the way we treat athletes and sports here it's so serious and if if that was the case in rugby, like there's no reason they wouldn't be able to sure. hang with the rest of the world. It just comes down to experience. So we had someone ask, where can we watch the games? ColoradoRaptors.com and yeah. DNVR.com? Yeah, so that's what it sounds like. It'll be ColoradoRaptors.com and DNVR.com. Uh, excuse me, the DNVR.com for um, all the home matches the Raptors play. On top of that, the MLR has a deal with CBS Sports Network. Um, Fox Sports 2, and then ESPN Plus, which is the $5 uh, a month subscription, but that's where you'll catch the rest of the game. So the Raptors will have a few matches spread on on those platforms as well. So it'll be perfect for our DNVR fam. Just go on the DNVR.com and you'll be able to watch the home games. That's pretty awesome. It should be nice and easy. So hopefully making it simpler to to catch the matches too will help people get interested a little bit more. So Wait, that's really cool. I didn't know about that part. That's super convenient. I think that's the case. <laughs> Don't quote us on it, but yes. if not, ColoradoRaptors.com. I'm glad you said that. Sure. I was literally typing a tweet with quotes Don't around it. Don't quote us on uh, it yet. <laughs> can we, just as a social media person, can we make a big field trip to one of these games? I was going to yeah. say, yes. we should do it. Like a DNB, yeah, yeah, like a 100% need to do this. We can all go. We can all learn. I heard you on, uh, he has a podcast, so if you're trying to learn more, be sure to go to DNVR Raptors on wherever you listen to podcasts. And you were saying that everyone in the stadium is typically extremely nice. Yeah. If you can ask, hey, I didn't understand that For to the guy sure. next to you, and they'll they'll willingly yeah, that's explain one, it. Yeah, that's the big thing I really like about rugby and the rugby community in general. I know I've had a bunch of friends that are getting into it over the last two years have come out. And um, the Tri Club, that's like the, the in-stadium bar. So 
you're looking to come have a beer and catch a game, that's the place to do it. But I've heard my friends have been up in the Tri Club and have had trouble understanding a call or a penalty or something like that. You just turn to the person next to you and be like, hey, man, I don't get this. Can you explain it? And everyone's super happy to, to help break it down for you. So, um, And I'm in the same boat. If you have any questions at all, I'm here all season long. So. We should Cheers. definitely do a, a little thing where DNVR fam goes and An we can excursion. watch you. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Love it. I love that. Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to pick out a good one on the schedule. So. Um, this, I think it's uh, this is a dumb question, but no it's dumb, outside. No dumb question. No, I think it is. It's <laughs> outside, right? It is outside. <laughs> yes. So is it cold in February? <laughs> like yeah. So so is it? May have been a dumb question. <laughs> yeah, I I knew it was a dumb question. No. I knew the answer to it, but playing games in February outside—that's cold. It is cold, and uh, I know one rule. In the MLR, that's kind of funky. You can't wear, like, skins, like leggings like they would in football or something. It's too easy to, like, snap your fingers off in those. So there was a match last last year when <laughs> Toronto. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> so there was a match last year. Uh, Toronto came down um, to play, and it was in March. Do you remember the big, big snowstorm in March? Yeah. 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 So they played in that. It was, like, during in the in the meat of that storm, like, they played in that. Everyone's wearing shorts, and <laughs> so the show goes on. Man, this is a game not for the yeah. faint of heart. No. Huh? <laughs> is is the football to rugby pipeline like kind of a thing in the U.S.? Are oh. you alone in that? or No, so I think like a lot of the people that played, I know a lot of people I played with were people that played football until they couldn't play football anymore, whether that be they just weren't good enough to play in college or whatever. They just like to keep competing. Um, that's like a lot of people that switch, but the, I know like there's a lot of people that actually switch over from soccer mm. to play. I know when I played, it always felt like I was playing a little more like I was playing soccer than if I was playing football, to be honest. Um, on your podcast, you talked about how rugby really is for everyone yeah, and that yeah. there's leagues for like 55 and yeah, up. Yeah, the old boys. That's the old boys <laughs> leagues. Really? Like, I, I feel like it's, <laughs> a, it's not the same as football, but it is a taxing sport right. and – all right. Uh, pro any any tournament I think you go to, you, I guess as far as like the local stuff, you'll there'll be some old boys playing. Do I know Aspen uh, has a big tournament up in Aspen, Aspen Rugger Fest, and there's a whole let's go to that. Bracken. Yeah, is there <laughs> in September? A, it's awesome. Is there like a co-ed intramural bloggers league? Yeah, can <laughs> we <laughs> can we learn? I don't know if there's a league. I feel like for the us. best way to learn <laughs> sports is playing it. We yeah, should, right. we should try. Coming soon to to IGTV on some DNVR. Content. We get you get the the DNVR crew out running with some. Uh, oh, I'm down. Oh, teach me how to that tackle. That would be so fun. Yeah. Get tackled. I know uh, up in Seattle they do like uh, I know they do it in football too like the media combine they I know just last week the Seattle Seawolves put on a media practice so they were they were jumping they were getting lifted in the air and they were scrumming down and all that type. I of feel stuff, like so. that's definitely a fun video idea yeah. that we should we should find a way to do. DNVR fam learns rugby literally. <laughs> I wanna I wanna <laughs> it's just Brendan getting destroyed. <laughs> I wanna circle back. You said it reminds you of so soccer. Mm -hmm. In, if we could boil that down to a nutshell, is that like the, the probing of horizontal space to find vertical openings, like willing to lose yards Those to are a yards lot of words you wow. should not use in conjunction. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about it was horizontal it, it yeah, well, you're right. Fair, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> For the mature folks out there, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, Colton. Get this train back on track. Let's yeah. not pretend yeah. like every you single one of our sports isn't just absolutely filled with a ridiculous amount of innuendo just built it's in. True. Oh, just, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, that, that exists in rugby, certainly. Sometimes it is really hard to 
get everyone to focus. That's, that's my job to be like, AJ, right. yeah. no, we're not job. doing that right now. Get yeah, back. But, but to answer your question, I think it is a little bit of that. I think it's also just kind of the, the speed, like the pace of play. Um, like in football, it's just so stop and go, and that mm. really doesn't exist in rugby. You, there's only a handful of instances in a game really where you get to stop and take a break like, like that. And so that, that kind of what reminds me of gotcha. I, I, yeah to be honest i just that's just the feeling i got <laughs> when i played so just an athlete's feel that's hard yeah. to put into words <laughs> <laughs> all right well do you guys have any questions what's a want? typical score Ooh, that's a good one um i've been to one question. rugby game it was glendale against oh, grand junction and my hometown team got beat i think it was 55 to 6 <laughs> something there, like that they just got that. destroyed um, i was looking at some of the preseason fixtures um around the, the league this last week and there was a couple i think there was like a 90 to 5 in there there was a oh my they can get a out of hand in a hurry um but i think kind of the one around the raptors like a 32 26 that's pretty that's pretty typical okay. so and i guess the scoring um in football so if you you score a try which is like a touchdown so you get into the end zone you you place the ball on the ground has to be applied downward pressure is the how you score, so you just – Through the process. I yeah, you, you got to do it with your hand. You can't just spike it like you just scored a touchdown. But that's worth five points. Then from there, you kick the conversion. So that's from wherever you scored the try. So if it's if it's right next to the, the touch line, the sideline, you, you touch it down there. That's where you have to kick it from. So you pull Ooh. it. So the angles vary. So you pull it as far back as you need to get a decent angle to kick it. If you make that, that's worth two. So seven points, kind of like football. Um, from there – there's uh, drop goals, which are like in live bullets, bounce the ball off the ground, kick it through the pipes. That's three points. And then if there's a penalty, you can tee the ball up, kick for post. That's also worth three points. So scoring is a little similar. It does if you miss a conversion or something. That's when it it starts to look a little different from football. But mm. that's the that's the nuts and bolts of scoring. This was good for cool. me. Cool. <laughs> I know. I'm learning a lot. I'm excited. I think it'd be so fun to get all all of our DNVR fans. Is there a standard day of the week that the games are on? Yeah, so um, I know ever since I've been around the sport, the, the saying has been Saturday is a rugby day. Um, that's that's still true for the most part. I know last year there was a couple matches on Friday night. Um, I don't think I don't think the Raptors ever played one on a Friday. I think the first one of the year actually, the first home match is actually on a Friday though. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, usually most of the games are going to be on a Saturday though. Yeah, great. Perfect. Well. We, uh, you can catch all of Colton's content on DNVR on the DNVR.com, and you can follow him on Twitter and the Raptors DNVR underscore Raptors on Twitter to get more information. I think you're doing three podcasts a week. Yeah, three podcasts a week. I'll shoot for three to four written pieces of content a week. Yeah. So. We're, we're all learning together, and mm -hmm. the ones who already know keep teaching us because we're really excited to kind of adapt this sport into our DNVR fam. Eric is asking more baseball questions, but we're going to do uh, who Come on the to week Blake first? Street in a couple like hours, buddy. He's already at baseball. Blake Street. I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we're wrapping this up, I'm going straight there. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog? Um, let's start. Okay, so there's five people, and we can only do four poll questions. I'm not doing one. <laughs> okay, Come thanks. On, thanks for making it easier, Drew. <laughs> um, all right, AJ, we'll start with you. 
Periscope people, I, c I have to time, so I'm not looking at the uh, the Periscope questions, just so you know. All right, AJ, so go. What? How much time do I have? 30 seconds. Mm. Uh, the Avs won the week because they finished up a five-game homestand, 3-0-2. They got eight out of a ten possible points. Uh, and not only did they beat the Blues, but then they embarrassed the embarrassing Detroit Red Wings. And it was everything that life should be on a perfect matinee hockey game. Okay. Finished with nine seconds to spare. Damn, he's going to win the week with that one. Oh, he yeah. for sure is. <laughs> All right. Zach. Why did the Broncos or anyone in football win the week? Drew Locke won the week because he's a self-proclaimed gunslinger, and he got the guy to let him sling the ball around the field with Pat Shermer because Rich Gingo was holding him back. When he let Drew Locke go in that Houston game, he was the best quarterback on the, in the entire NFL that week. Now he got a guy that's going to let him do that every single week, so Drew Locke won the week. All right. Well, I still think abs are first place right now. All right, we'll start with uh, you, Brendan, before we send it to Colton. Why do the Nuggets win the week? Because they have Michael Porter Jr., who won the week, mm. who is a true superstar, who has some hurdles to clear, but is on his way to a top 15, top 20, dare I say top 10 status in the league. The Denver Nuggets title window is real because Michael Porter Jr. is for real. I just thought of that. It's pretty good. Though. <laughs> yeah, and you finished with extra time, too. I want to jump in with an addendum because there's been a million things today. I was at both the, the Avs game where they beat the Blues and the Nuggets game where they absolutely should not have lost to the Pacers. Ugh, but there was a, a play one. in that game where MPJ was just standing down underneath <laughs> the rim and Jokic had the ball out of sight and he was like totally covered and he just did he just did just want to just point it up oh, yeah. and he just threw it to him it's like yeah. that is an indefensible play 610 is a good starting uh, point for the basketball uh, thing uh, 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 uh. i know most of the players at this point when you're sitting in the rafters it's tough to t you know this it can be tough to tell the difference and certain guys it's not mpj one of those you just know just moves different there he is yep <laughs> there he goes he's the guy going I can dunk it from a standstill while this guy is bodying me up. Which is funny because you said the same in your first game about Kale McCarr. It, it's absolutely so it's true. Kale McCarr Denver stands superstars. out. Like it, that move he made where he came all the way around the perimeter against the Blues and just and Nikita Zadorov was like, oh, my bad. I'm oh, oh I'm just going to move bad, out the kid's way because yeah. he can do literally, he can put that well, puck and, and literally the, wherever the he wants. The shot was perfect. Jordan Bennington still hasn't seen it. It's my, <laughs> favorite, uh, it's my favorite radio take. Ryan Rosillo said this. A superstar in any sport, they just move different. You That's know? right. It's the first thing That's you right. notice. Yeah. It's All the right. easiest thing. You can ask a casual fan. You're like, oh, who's the best players? And you're just like, just watch. Just watch, just watch Connor f McDavid skate around. You'll figure it out in five minutes. Here's the real winner right here, though. All right, Colton. We, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and you got to tell me why, in some capacity, a player, uh, someone in the front office, anything, why the Raptors won the week. So, Okay, here we go. go. Try my best here. So I think the Raptors won the week just because um, last year really did not finish the way the Raptors wanted to. The Raptors are used to being at the top of the table, and they did not have a great year last year. Made a lot of changes. Um, come into the first preseason action, really, in Vegas. Uh, pick up a, a big win against Rugby ATL, who's stacking up a decent team. Um, they, they go to Austin this week and they get back on track right before the season starts. So um, rugby's back. I think the Raptors are, are in for a good season. So I think here we go. That's it. Here we go. That's it. Here we go. That's it. Timer got a little nervous. Just say, if you don't know what to do, just say, and they won the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tag me out. 
<laughs> you you started off. I used to do like a buzzer, or I bring the axe, and I really like scare people, being like, "Nope, oh, time, 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 yeah. time." But we stopped doing that because there are so many. Couple people quit. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I got. I can't move on without saying who won the week last week because the Nuggets won the week twice. Good looking out, Nugs fans, as they and should. And I mean, it was it was kind of close. Uh, Jokic for reinvigorating the Nuggets' offense with his three point shot got forty five point nine percent of the votes. Second to that was Vic Fangio for convincing Elway to pursue Pat Shermer. That got thirty two percent of the votes. The Red Wings haters, because they are currently on pace for a forty eight point season, only got thirteen percent of the votes. And Rockies not the getting were losing last week, so yeah. F's fans were not excited about that. Rockies not getting caught up in the MLB scandal got eight point two percent of the votes. Eight point two more than I would have expected. Hey, look, the Rockies are having the worst offseason in the history of their franchise and the second worst offseason of any team in MLB this year. Yep, <laughs> and we had some comments that said that we D that we know of so far of the Rockies. The Rockies could the, not they're have not cheaters. There are a lot of things, but they're not cheaters. Yeah, they don't <laughs> have the they don't have the stones to do that. <laughs> They don't have the cans to do that. You no. and I will schedule hey. our boxing match at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, um. Trash All right. Well, as always, this one uh, this was a little long one, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. we've got a lot going on in the Denver sports world, and we have a new sport that we are learning with you guys. So, as always, be sure to go vote on the poll on Twitter. Leave us your comments on thednvr.com, and we'll answer some questions next week. And... Go leave, go subscribe, leave us a comment, all that type of learn stuff. Learn about rugby. Stuff. Yeah. Yes, learn about rugby. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited for the season. It should be a fun one. So polite. I know. I know. Uh, no one else has ever said thank you to me or anyone else. We'll take no. care of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Give them a mug. Yeah. Yeah. Nip that in the bud. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. And if you are around today, be sure to go to Blake Street Tavern. And next Thursday, be sure to go to... Stonies for our Nuggets watch party. Bye, guys.